what's up everybody and welcome back to for real your podcast about documentaries i'm a special k i'm matt and here we go yet again matt how are you bud oh i'm doing fantastic you know uh i had an interesting day at work the other day you know, tell us went about to a customer's it. house i went to a customer's house they invited me in i stepped in into the house this little yappy dog comes running around the corner just doing that you know like like he's gonna eat me Mm-hmm. And uh, he starts sprinting at me. And about five feet from me, he just drops over on his side and starts having a seizure right in front of me. Mm. I swear to God, I thought I killed him with my mind for a second. Mm. I was like, "Oh, it finally worked! This thing that I it I finally perfected my uh my force choke." But uh, yeah, he he rolled back up, and the owner was sure you know witnessed the whole thing, so they know I didn't didn't hurt the dog, which was a plus. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd welcome you to the Brotherhood, um, except you didn't finish the job. Uh, going back to our previous story about my uh, my talking to your dog, Dina. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't tell this one to just let go because I'm not a monster. But, you know, that, that would have been an option, I guess. Listen, I still stand by. I didn't do anything wrong. I gave her permission. That's it. You, this dog, I don't know. This dog seized at the sight of you, which I don't know what that says. It says I have a face so beautiful that dog couldn't handle it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look at thought he was looking at one of God's most precious angels and thought yes. he was already already in heaven. Because like they say, all dogs do go to heaven. I don't think this. I, I don't know. I've met a couple of dick dogs. and I don't think they deserve to go to heaven. I, you know, I, I've seen I've seen the movie. Great movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have met some dick dogs that I'm like. <laughs> You you don't deserve anything except to be let out in the countryside and left there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I can second that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I haven't I haven't had any uh, strange animal encounters recently. Just went uh, checked out some Christmas lights tonight, as is one to do this time of year. So that was cool. Um, yeah, just were, were you in your shorts and t shirt? It's been unseasonably unseasonably warm. Yeah, it's beautiful out. It's beautiful. It was just a nice little drive. Let's just country some Christmas, some Christmas music, and uh, yeah, it was nice. Get you, get you, get you to feel like you're in the season, you know? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I actually just wore. I went out after dark tonight. I just wore a sweater, and I was like, "This might be too warm." I don't know. I might have to like crack a window in the car. It's just if this is what winter was like, like for the entire thing, I wouldn't mind living around here at all. But I know, I know that in about two weeks, it's going to get stupid. Yeah, cold. I was going to say, in about two weeks, it's going to be, you know, negative 10. And we're going to be just hating life. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I, I do know of a nice place um, that we might want to consider moving to. It's uh, it's called, it's an Archer, Florida, actually, which coincidentally, how's this for a segue, um, is where our documentary that we're covering today takes place. Ooh. <laughs> That's, that's let me just let me just assure the viewers i will never move to florida <laughs> it's the only place it's the only place on the planet where alligators and crocodiles coexist together two mm-hmm. apex predators that have not bothered to evolve for the last 500 million years mm-hmm. just coexisting why would you move there yeah um i saw a thing before that was like they said that sharks like sharks as a species predate trees and that blew my fucking mind. So I got to believe it's probably pretty similar for like alligators and 
crocodiles. I feel like well, I'd, I'd imagine so. Like, I mean, sharks, they don't need to evolve. They're at the very top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. Unless you go like super deep down where all the, all the aliens live. Mm-hmm. The, cra- the krakens and stuff. Yeah. Where, where the mer people live. Exactly. Ariel and, yeah. I was just going to say Ariel and her dick dad. <laughs> was it, was that Poseidon, right? Is that her father? Triton. Triton. King Triton. No, oh, I don't remember. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Yeah, it's going to be for me too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Well, anyway, okay, let's get into it. So the documentary we're covering today uh, is called The Legend of Cocaine Island. It was released on Netflix in 2018. It's an hour and 23 minutes long. And uh, the synopsis is that a desperate man goes on a buried treasure hunt for $2 million worth of cocaine. So, Matt, before we get into this documentary, this do you remember hearing about this story at all back when it happened? I feel like I don't remember this happening. But okay. now, as an adult with, with better filters on my phone, I just block out anything that comes from Florida. Yeah, because I- there's always something fucking wonky going on down there that just the rest of society should not have to acknowledge yeah this 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 fits into you know the typical florida man trope of yeah kind of things that florida men get themselves into florida not to disparage florida people but listen let's be clear here i am disparaging florida people florida (laughs) is for retirees and degenerates that's it no no in between Listen, I was thinking about the other day because I watched this documentary and I was thinking about Florida just in general, whatever. And I came to the realization the other day that I have spent the third most time of my life in the state of Florida. Of all the 50 states there are, Florida is number three. I've spent the most time, the third most time of my life in the state of Florida in one place or another. Isn't that crazy? That's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, I, I've been down there for military training and I was down there right before I went into the military. My twin brother was stationed down there. We went down there with our buddy T and uh, we just, we were 18 years old and just walking into liquor stores, buying booze and nobody carted us. It was like the wild west out there. Mm-hmm. Except with a lot more herpes, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, Florida is a whole different thing. I love it personally. I gotta say, I love Florida. I hope to one day be able to like winter there in my older age. Um, can, can, I'm can a we huge do, fan. Can we just do Arizona? Nah, I don't want to do Arizona. There's not enough there. I, I mean, I guess I've never been to Arizona, but I'd be quiet I just, and peaceful. Listen, there's something about Florida, man. I just love how it feels there. I love the ambiance. I love the environment. I can't explain it. I know it's trashy, but I, I love it. I can't. You just, it. I just love. You just like there. the. You just like the two-piece swimsuits. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of pluses and minuses in places, Matt. But listen, uh, I I like the pluses if, there. If we can retire to Arizona, I'll wear a two-piece swimsuit all the time. <laughs> all right. See in Arizona, it's hot. I know it's a dry heat. It's 120 degrees. I don't care how, how dry it is. My yeah. oven's dry too. It's so fucking hot. It's at 120 degrees. I've spent I spent seven months in Texas, and I've been to two different deserts where I was stationed. And whoever comes up with that dry heat bullshit can can kiss kiss my anus. Mm-hmm. All right, 
directly on it because yeah, you know what dry heat feels like? It feels like your skin's on fire. All right. <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like. Like you have to wear long sleeve clothes because direct sunlight on your skin burns. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like, we're too close to the sun. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But so um, let's get in the documentary legend of cocaine Island. It begins with this guy who we later know is named Andy. He's wearing like a hat glasses to conceal his identity. <laughs> this guy is just, he is. He's permafried. Yeah. Yeah. His brain is scrambled eggs, man. I mean, it is just, he's out there. He's a space cadet. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he is. Like, I, I don't know if he was just high when they were doing this, this documentary or that's just like after so many years of doing drugs, he's just perpetually like that. Mm-hmm. But he was not like, I, I feel like there's two brain cells left in his head and they're all fighting for third place. All right. <laughs> it was not good. Yeah. So he, he starts out by asking you, the viewer, this question, us, the viewer, the question is if you knew where $2 million was buried, would you dig it up? And then he answers the rhetorical question by saying, Fuck yeah, I did it one time. <laughs> so, like I said, this takes place in Archer, Florida, and I'm just gonna—it's like the, like the one guy, the, like the neighbor says, you know, the difference between a northern fairy tale and a southern fairy tale. A northern fairy tale begins with uh, "Once upon a time." A southern fairy tale begins with "Y'all ain't gonna believe this shit." <laughs> so, there's a, a local hippie named Julian, and he's he's got this story where essentially, like 20 years prior to this happening. In Calabro, Puerto Rico, he found a package on a beach and it contained like 70 pounds of cocaine, which he estimated to be worth like a million dollars at the time. Wasn't sure what to do with it. So he ends up burying it next to his trailer in Puerto Rico. And then he ends up just leaving and moving to Florida. Okay. So, and he, he tells the story to everybody. Like they have like these little neighborhood community things. And he tells the story to everybody who will listen about this buried Coke. So then they introduce you to this guy named Rodney. Rodney owns a construction company in Florida. And he, uh, he does some, some, goes through some tough times financially. And he has to like downgrade and he moves into like this double wide trailer in Piney Woods, Florida. I do want to comment. Here's one thing real quick. First of all, I don't know what the legal requirement is for the number of alligator heads you have to have in your office. This guy definitely at least meets, if not exceeds that. It, the, the law is three. Three? Okay, well, then I, I saw two for sure. There are two actual, like, stuffed taxidermy gator heads. And I know that's a huge thing down there. Well, I think I think it's you, – you have to have either three alligator heads or two alligator heads and some alligator teeth somewhere loose right. in your office. Right. I, yeah. think, I think if you have a Confederate flag displayed, that counts for one and a half gator heads. Yes, that offs – that yeah so okay. i'll double check after after again maybe we'll do some fact check but i'm pretty sure that's what the law is in florida there's no laws about anything else you can shoot anybody you want you can do whatever you want but you have to have a certain certain amount of gator heads and or confederate flags displayed i know that drink fuck or smoke whatever you want you have to have your gator heads all set up <laughs> per count per county rules to, i mean in fairness it's probably the only thing that keeps the gators from rising up and taking over is just the I mean, constant reminder of just the, 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 it has to be millions of gators they slaughter every year. And there's still yeah. stories of gator attacks every day in the news, it seems like. So uh, it's, 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 it must be like a psychological effect on the alligator. 
not sure what it is, but listen, if you listen, if you go put yourself in a situation where you're in close contact with an alligator, you deserve anything that happens to you. (laughs) All right. And I firmly believe that the alligator shouldn't even be punished for it. All right. (laughs) If you go to an alligator pond and are, are going skinny dipping or something like that, if this is like the first part of the scene from Jaws and an alligator fucking rips you in half, I think we should just yell good job to the alligator and fence off the area <laughs> just so he can't escape. Not to keep people out, just to keep the alligator in. In, right, all right, right, right. That's his domain. That's his kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, and the other thing I want to say is, you know, they're interviewing Rodney and his his wife and his family about, like, this downgrade they had to do because they lived very lavishly. They're doing very well. The recession hit. They lost a lot of money. And so they had, he had to, he had to bank over a million dollars. They had to downgrade this double wide trailer. And in this documentary, they interview the wife and the wife is like fucking sobbing about having to move to this place. And it sounds like, I, I know it probably is compared to their old lifestyle, but it's on a 40 acre farm. They have like bonfires yeah. with their neighbors all the time. It sounds great. It yeah. sounded wonderful. Well, she was throwing up, she said, well, it's just hard for me because I came, we were living in a 3,500 square foot house mm-hmm. and now we're living out here. And I was like, fuck you. I can literally fit three of my houses in there. All right. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear about how hard it is for you living in a 40 acre property. Just be able to do whatever the hell you want, whatever you want, because nobody can even hear anything. Yeah. It just, it kind of just uh, speaks to kind of how out of touch uh, they were. And we'll talk about more at the very end, but. Yeah, I thought that part was funny, but um, so during this time, during this downgrade or whatever, Rodney befriends Andy, the guy from the very beginning, and you know Rodney mentions the fact that you know Andy has a drug problem. Andy's response to this in the documentary <laughs> is a plus; it's wonderful. Essentially, yeah. he says like, "I might, I don't have a drug problem. I might have had one in the past. Okay, like I use drugs in the past, but it's not a problem currently." <laughs> <laughs> Andy is I'm just going to say right now he's my favorite character this entire story listen Kay has I wish I could have recorded the things that Kay has said about Andy Kay, Kay wrote a love basically wrote a love ballad for this guy earlier we talked on the phone like it Kay, I think if Kay could replace me with Andy he would listen he, he he's a hilarious guy he's one of these people there's just some people and I'm sure it's like drug induced um, but he's just he's he is just compellingly funny and I don't think he's yeah. not trying to be. He's it's, just, it's, it's the Chi Chi Chong effect. Oh, it's wonderful. It's, I mean, I think it'd be super annoying to like have to rely on that guy for literally anything at yeah. all. Yeah. But it'd be funny as hell just to have a conversation with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I see why Rodney had him around. I get it. I, I, he's entertaining. I get it. So obviously, Rodney tells Andy the story, and because everybody tells the story about this cocaine buried in Puerto Rico. Andy has a friend or like a roommate named D who they refer to as the Cuban, who is essentially like this career criminal kind of guy. He hears about the story, he offers to help Rodney with this Coke thing. So basically they start cooking this deal where Rodney is going to arrange to find the Coke in Puerto Rico. And then D is going to help him distribute it is the plan. And they're going to split it 50, 50. One thing I will Speaking of like Andy and kind of how like of a space that he was, even this D guy who's like clearly like a like a career shitbag. Yeah. One thing that always amazes me is these people who you wouldn't expect to necessarily be. I'm, I'm gonna say smart or well educated, dude. They are fucking great at drug math. They are yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Like, 
they are they just they know how to fucking just divide and measure they, they can talk about like metric weights and shit like, like it's yeah, enough they're to- doing the long division in their head about me- me- metric uh coke tons but if you were to ask them to add up a receipt or split a receipt evenly they'd be like i don't i don't know how to do that well exactly yeah like, like okay so okay buddy it's it's like this now if i have 70 pounds of cocaine we split that four ways how it'd be you'd be like oh it's uh you know whatever 17 divided by four is yeah they're, they're, it's he, like he's so quick he, he makes a comment and the thing he's like he's like yeah, i went over to rodney and i was explaining to him what it is and, and like and Rod, rodney says they pulled out calculators and they're doing all the math to see what the numbers are and he's like i didn't know a fucking calculator rodney had a calculator i do that shit on top of my head it's like dude you're talking about millions of dollars splitting <laughs> millions of dollars and different weights and what's this what's this and this i mean how much un- it goes from the street it's un- it's unbelievable but so he so they kind of agree to go in on this together and d says i actually have a guy i know that we can help us import it from puerto rico his name is carlos i'll get him going and rodney's talking about this meeting with carlos carlos is very suave he's very dressed very nicely whatever and rodney mentions about how it was like he reminded him of tony montana and scarface have you ever seen the movie scarface like it was so long ago. I was a mu- I was like I think I was a teenager when I saw it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna publicly say this, uh, and I know this is gonna upset virtually every resident of Florida because this is like like their na- like this is their state film. I think Scarface is a dog shit movie. I I I have never understood why people like that movie so much. That movie sucks out loud. It is terrible. It is fucking awful. I don't remember enough of it to really, really argue with you or agree with you. I would say I'd have to watch it again. That being said, I feel like a lot of the older movies that everybody's like, no, you have to watch it. This movie is the best, blah, blah, blah. You go back and you watch it and you're like, yeah, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't very good. Like, what's that old movie where Al Pacino's a rat? A rat? He works for, he's a, he's a cop. Oh, he's a Serpico. He's not a rat. He's just, yeah. he's, he's a whistleblower. Yeah, yeah. Serpico. Yeah. Everybody talks about Serpico. Mm-hmm. I watched it and I was like, that really wasn't that good of a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it was watchable, but I, I don't understand why people are like, oh, fucking Serpico's, you know, amazing. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think like, um, well, I'm, I, I, I think like the Godfather is a great movie, but you hear like people hold Scarface up there, like Godfather or like taxi driver, or, like some like actual, what I think are like actual classically great movies. And people like some people put Scarface up there as like one of their top favorite movies of all time. And it's like, dude, it's, it sucks. The movie sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Miami, but that movie sucks. I, I have never seen the Godfather. Oh my God. You've yeah. never seen The Godfather? Well, my dad left when I was young, so I mean, <laughs> I didn't. No, <laughs> um, no, my dad uh, several times tried to get me to sit down and watch it with him, but they're so fucking long that yeah, it's it's a commitment. At the, at the ages where he was asking me to watch it with him, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'd literally rather be doing anything than watch this old ass movie. Mm-hmm. And then when I got older, I was like, oh, I have to like go to work or like. I have I have four hours before I have to go to bed for the night. I don't want to spend it watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. So Rodney again, he hooks up with this Carlos guy. Carlos says, "I own a private jet company. I just want four bricks. I want four kilos, and I'll, I'm in on this deal with you." 
So they all agree to it. Rodney and Andy go to Puerto Rico. And while they're down there, Andy gets what Rodney claims is dope sick. Andy claims <laughs> Andy claims it was from eating like four pounds of lobster or something. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> you are a heroin yeah. addict. You are dope yeah. sick. Yeah, you are. You, you got the DTs, my friend. Yeah, yeah. That but Rod, Rod, Rodney was saying that that Andy was so sick that he had to like leave the. Andy left the hotel. To, Rodney left the hotel to get away from Andy because Andy was just like constantly puking and it smelled terrible and like oh. Yeah, but so anyway, so so Rodney goes looking for like where this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be in between like a cistern and a trailer. It's buried in the ground. This, Julian gave him pretty much pretty precise uh, directions of where yeah. to find this bag. He doesn't have a shovel though, so they can't even like they can't dig or anything. So they end up leaving Puerto Rico. The trailer's gone; it's not there anymore. They can't dig because he has no digging equipment. It's just a fucking botched thing. So they leave. They go back, and he's like willing to wash his hands of it. Yeah, guys, this is important. He couldn't find a shovel, so he left the country. Yeah, he's left. Clearly, he's he's very invested in this idea. Yeah, very committed. Let, let, let's 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 point out here that so you got Andy, who's just like obviously a drug addict, so he's not in the best health as is. Mm-hmm. And Rodney is probably 150 pounds overweight, at least. At least he he is a very large man. Yeah, he's 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 pushing four bills. I'll say it right so, now. So Rodney's pushing four bills. I I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd say pushing. He might. <laughs> Listen, this this guy's not like he doesn't look like he's that tall, mm. but he is he is wide. All right, mm. and I have nothing against people that are heavy set, but I can tell you right now that when you're out trying to do hard manual labor in the sun, I put my money on the skinny guy. I'm overweight <laughs> right now, and the skinny guy's gonna outlast me. I'm gonna start sweating. I'm gonna overheat. You have to shoot <laughs> me behind the barn. <laughs> so so they so they leave. Okay, they leave Puerto Rico. But they end up getting convinced to go back for a second try, try it again. So they go down there. He brings a shovel this time. They go back to the spot. However, the ground is, like, too hard. It's too rocky. They can't dig. And so they're like, okay, fuck, we're out. We can't do it. We're, we're leaving. And so they go to leave, and they get spooked on the way out because Customs, like, searches the plane when they land. And they, it's yeah. all spooked. So he's like, I fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not dealing with it. I'm out. I'm not. I don't, I don't want it. So this Carlos guy, this suave drug dealer, or importer or whatever, it keeps like nagging him and being like, Hey, um, and finally get a hold cold of each other. And he says, Hey, I'll dig it up for you. If you tell me where it is. Um, but I Just want give me the map. Yeah. Give me That's the map. Give me the map. And it, but I want eight kilos now. So the four kilos, I want eight. Okay. And so Ronnie says, okay, fine. And he agrees to it, which stupid, dumb. You're giving a drug dealer. You're giving this drug guy who's apparently very connected. You're giving him the map to where the drugs are. I mean, yeah. what, are the, what are the chances, right? What are the chances that he's going to actually contact you when he finds the drugs? He's going to, like Rodney points out, he's just going to say he never found them. And that's going to be the end of it. I got, I'm, I'm getting fucked. Which is what yeah. I would have done. I'm just saying. Well, which, which I'm sure any reasonable person would have believed that was what was going to happen. You know what I mean? But, um, and, and for a while, Carlos does ghost him. Like Rodney says, he couldn't get a hold of him. So he was ghosted. And then he ends up getting like this email from Carlos one day with a picture of the Coke. Um, that was dug up and then they set up like a meeting and it's like kind of like a an awkward like a weird like you got to rush over here and now meet me over here i'm leaving the 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 country in 30 minutes so get over here or i'm gonna be gone forever you miss your opportunity and uh rodney meets him and carlos gives him the keys to his car 
and says it's in the trunk. Go ahead and grab it. I'll be out there in a minute. Rodney goes to the trunk, opens it up. There's some kilos of coke in the in the back of the car. Because what was supposed to happen is Carlos brought it from Puerto Rico now, and then Rodney was going to get it, take it to D, and then D was going to sell it and give Rodney his cut. Okay, that was the plan. So he picks up the coke out of the trunk, puts it in his truck. Bam. Sting operation. Fucking cops got him. Cops everywhere. Cops it turns out everywhere. Carlos is a cop. So what, what had happened was six months, about six months prior to this, old D, our career criminal here, got busted for possession and was looking at, he says he was looking at life in prison. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he says he was looking at. He knew it was like a three strikes kind of deal. Yeah. He was looking at life in prison. He's, yeah. He said he had he gotten busted twice before. And he said, I knew, I knew that this meant life in prison. And mind you, this guy had oxycodone in his, like, like strapped to his testicles, basically. Yep. All right. So <laughs> for all the people out there that buy pills from people or drugs from people, just know it's probably been either in somebody's anus yep, or it's been strapped to their testicle juices. Yeah. They call that keystering or, or keystering? in jail, prison wallet. your prison wallet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, if you need your fix, you need your fix, I guess. Even if you're willing to take fucking ask literally ass crack or whatever it is. I mean, but uh, anyway, yeah. So D D uh, flips and agrees. He, he offers, he, he agrees to, to work as the way he puts it. Um, he takes a deal to cooperate with law enforcement. He basically rats out Rodney's entire plan. So yeah, Carlos was a cop and Rodney ends up getting charged with uh, possession with intent to deliver. And what's funny is, is when they're talking to D in the, in the documentary in the interview, um, oh, has, was, he has like his face this was away. classic. Yeah, D says he's like, I, I don't, I don't know what he's bitching about. Like, I was gonna rob him anyway. He was never gonna see that money, even if yeah. we went through with the actual plan. I was just gonna rob him anyway. He said, he said for, he said guys in the street are getting paid to kill people for ten thousand dollars. I would have killed them for two million dollars of coke. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just comes right out and says it. I would have killed them for two million dollars in coke. Like, holy uh, shit, dude. Yeah, so then then it gets to like the, the very end of the documentary here is about the legal part of all this. So Ronnie's arrested, he's charged with you know possession with intent to deliver, you know, drug dealing essentially. He's looking at like some considerable time. I think the minimum on the table was 10 years. Well, yeah, that's which, which is, is crazy. Uh, let me just time. Yeah, Rod, Rodney had had zero prior convictions mm-hmm. or any kind of negative interaction with the law, although he is very comfortable with uh with weed so i'm sure that he's been busted for weed at some point uh yeah i don't know if he's ever like actually convicted of it but he definitely was a you know a user you know he, he was a, a recreational user of the marijuana like um, that uh disco cabbage yeah but i don't think he had any priors but hey regardless um so then they're talking like they interview his lawyer they interview some of the cops that were involved and one thing that struck me is the cops, when they're interviewing the cops whose identities are hidden, because I'm sure they're like undercover drug guys, they like they're laughing in the documentary about how like Rodney wouldn't have been able to sell any of the coke on his own. Like he couldn't have, I think they said he couldn't have sold a dime bag on his own. Like there's just no yeah. way. He just didn't have the street smarts. He didn't have what it took. He didn't have the, the knowledge. Yeah, he just, he, they don't think he was even able to sell any of it whatsoever. And then Rodney and his wife and his lawyers claim or their defense was that basically this was entrapment. 
that, that he was entrapped, that the government basically led him down this path and caused him to commit this crime. And which um, they did. <laughs> well, well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So, and then one of the cops, which I just wanted to point out, because I, I believe he is so fucking wrong here. It's one of the cops is talking about, it. I think he says like, he needs to quit all this bitching about this entrapment stuff. He wanted, he wanted the drugs. He wanted to sell them. That's a crime. I just want to make it clear. Wanting to do something is not a crime. Uh, yeah. That's some real minority report bullshit. Wanting to do something <laughs> is not illegal. It's actually doing it or making plans. Like they, I think they call it like, yeah. acts and furtherance. That those are crimes. But just wanting something isn't illegal. Yeah, Tom Cruise isn't gonna bust through your window if you're thinking about punching somebody, guys. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, what's crazy is they don't offer him any kind of deal. They they flat out say we're not giving you any kind of deal or any decent kind of deal. So he's forced to take it to trial. And Andy ends up being like subpoenaed as a witness. Um, so Andy isn't charged. Obviously, D cooperates because he's a shitbag. He's a rat. But he, he is convicted. Rodney was convicted of uh, a felony of intent, possession with intent to deliver. And the judge, though, he ends up kind of using the, what he called the relief valve, which, again, our justice system, man, I tell you. So because Rodney met all this criteria, the minimum of 10 years, the mandatory minimum of 10 years wasn't actually in play anymore, which if it's a mandatory minimum, then it's not, it's not mandatory if you can get around it. So Rodney gets sentenced to 60 days in county jail, five years probation. And on top of all that, he's also sentenced to perform community service for 20 hours a week for five years now i'm sure he's grateful he wasn't sent to prison for 10 years and i I would be grateful for that too but essentially being sentenced to an unpaid part-time job for five years that fucking sucks dude that does suck but you know what sucks worse uh spending twice that amount of time worried about getting raped in the showers i guess but like how do you like imagine imagine right now having an having a part-time job you have to go to every week, like no vacations, no miss every fucking week for five years. You have to show up and do 20 fucking hours there. You're not getting paid for any of it. Now, he now I do. He does see this as a positive because he works for Habitat for Humanity and he has a construction company. So he has that knowledge. So he feels he like has, he's helping people, yeah. always giving back. So he, he looks at it in a positive light. I just think it sounds crazy excessive. It does. But Rodney owns the construction company. Uh-huh. They they flat out said multiple times Rodney doesn't do like manual labor and work at his other job, so he doesn't need to be there. I'm sure he's not there 40 hours a week, like really working hard, you know. Like I'm sure I'm sure somebody else can get in there and help out while he's doing you know 20 hours of community work. I, yeah. I I mean if this was like a normal guy, if it was like you or me, it'd like oh great. So what you're telling me is. On top of the 40, 40 plus hours I work every week, I have to do another 20 hours of Habitat for Humanity or I go to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're, you know you make a good point. I didn't think about it that way. He does those own companies, so that does give him some flexibility and schedule. But just to me, it sounded like crazy. I mean, I'm not saying I'd want the 10 years in, in federal prison or anything like that, but. Um, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Federal prison, that's, the, that's a bad prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go there. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what happens in the end, basically. Uh, Julian is featured, who is the guy who initially, you know, found the Coke 20 years prior and buried it in Puerto Rico, the, the hippie with the story. 
he refuses to talk about the story on camera. He doesn't want to tell the story because it's not his story anymore, he says. And then uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting at the very end of the documentary, you know, Rodney and Andy claim that they doubt, they don't think that the government actually dug up the Coke. Um, they said that some of the pictures of the Coke um, from what was like sent to Rodney as when he thought that Carlos sent it to him as the drug importer. And then the, the, the pictures and what was actually entered into evidence at trial, they don't match up. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So they believe that the Coke is still in the ground. Well, either I think the way Andy put it is either Julian's lying and there was never any Coke or to the day the, the cops never dug it up, you know, that it's still yeah. there. And the cops just use some bullshit other coke to just say that they found it or whatever. The cops obviously deny. The cops say, you know, they dug it up. It's whatever. And they kind of say- That's how much was there. They, yeah, they said, they said, well, you know, I was taking it at night with a camera phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And camera phones back in 2000, what was this, 2004? This all happened? I mean, back then you're, it's, the quality was not great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So so, so it's open-ended as to whether the Coke was actually recovered or not. And then the documentary, which I think was, I thought was just chef's kiss, like, oh, great ending, is it Google Earth's, like, then zooms to the exact location of where the Coke is supposedly buried, and then it gives you the exact coordinates. <laughs> the exact coordinates to where this Coke is supposed to be. You know, the cops obviously say they don't recommend anybody go looking for it, but they, the documentary does tell you exactly where it was allegedly buried. So if you wanted to, you know, take a little trip and see if it was down there, I guess you could, I don't know, but that's, that's the documentary. So Matt, let me ask you, first of all, do you, so Rodney, Rodney was, was charged and found guilty of uh, federal you know, a felony, a pretty serious charge. Do you agree with his defense that this was entrapment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay, yeah. He he didn't even he didn't even go get the drugs or bring the drugs in or really do any of the stuff that would have, you know, like okay. Clearly, he was going to sell it, mm-hmm. which is fucked up. Uh, well, he was going to give it to somebody to sell. Yeah. Either way, it's it's. He was tomato, arranging. tomato. He was yeah, he was arranging. Of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say, like, he never, I don't think he ever would have gotten the Coke without the cops being involved. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say it's it's definitely entrapment. Because he said that, like, he's like, I put it out of my mind. I didn't talk to, talk to D or to Carlos for weeks on end. I blocked their calls. And finally, they just showed up. My uh, Carlos just showed up my office. Mm-hmm. All right, if you're pushing for this to happen, that's that's like the definition of entrapment. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, if the government makes you do it, that's entrapment. What about you? What do you think? So here's what I think. I think um, this is uh, probably as close to entrapment as you can possibly get without potentially crossing the line. I think that. Where he fucked up, the, the one spot where he really fucked up was when he agreed to meet Carlos and he agreed to take the Coke from Carlos and give it to D. Because as soon as he agreed. picked up that, as soon as he picked up the Coke, he goes and moved to the back of his truck. That's it. He's in that in that moment, he is actually in possession of the Coke. 
and he is trying to move it to his truck with, with, with the clear intention to give it to somebody to sell it. So that's where he get. That's where I think the, the possession charge comes in. The other stuff, if he, if he never picked it up, if he never went and got that Coke, which if I was him, I don't know why you would agree to do that. I, I, at this point, you're so hands-off anyway with, with it. I would have taken a, a quarter of a million dollars and been happy. And it's like, you know what? I told you, I gave you the map. Just give, give me 250 and I'll walk away. And you guys hail it from here. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at that point, it's that's like, fair. I, just, I gave him a map. I don't know what was there or not. I mean, I, I, sold, him, I sold him a piece of paper for $250,000. I don't you know, I'm not responsible for anything that happens after that. That's what I would have done personally. But what I think this was, I think this was the government was leading a puppy down a path. And it wasn't that they were, they weren't dragging him down the path. He was willingly walking down the path, but the government was certainly leading him him by the leash, leading him down the path. Like they gave him every inch of rope they needed. He needed to hang himself. What I think is unfortunate because Ronnie doesn't seem like a bad guy. He just seems like a guy that was kind of in a desperate situation for money and just really made a kind of a, so so kind of a wild story. I mean, I don't know about like if Coke expires, I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine burying something from the ground for 20 years. That's meant for like consumption probably wouldn't be fresh or maybe not in a great, great shape after 20 years. I mean, it's heavily wrapped in plastic and it's just a powder. I doubt it expires. Yeah, I don't know if it loses efficacy. I have no, I have no idea. I don't know enough about it, but it just—it's oh. kind of a cockamamie plan. Like, just it doesn't make a lot of. Like, it just the whole thing sounds like kind of wild, and I, I think it would have been nice because the government obviously was aware of this whole plan. Like you said, without the government getting involved, the coke would have never even been dug up. Like, they, if if they, if in fact they did dig it up, Rodney certainly was not going to be the person to dig it up and bring it into the United States. Like, he was not going to be able to do. That. Yeah, he, he failed twice. They couldn't even dig. Yeah, even if he wanted to, he couldn't. Like, he couldn't have done that. You know what I mean? So, I, I think it would have been nice if if we were if our justice system was more focused on actually like rehabilitating people versus just punishing them for bad behavior and putting people on naughty lists. Then I think what probably should have happened is, is when D told them the story, they probably should have went and met Rodney and been like, "Hey, man, uh, we we know what you're trying to do." knock it off. Like, don't do it. This is dumb. This is stupid. Don't bring Coke into the country. I uh, don't try to sell Coke. Don't just don't do that. Versus how much money did they spend on the sting operation to go excavate 20 year old Coke just to bring to Florida to bust this guy. You know what I mean? Like it just seems to, so... bust, to bust a guy who's never had any prior attachment to any sort of like drug or criminal underground right i mean he was what's, uh, the, what's the point this guy's in his 50s he's desperate he's making stupid choices why are you gonna fry him for the rest of his life right and let's be honest here rodney he didn't have another 10 years in him no. <laughs> all right he's some all right this guy's in his mid 50s he's 400 pounds and he gets out of breath walking to his chair all right that right. man that man is 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 due for a heavy duty heart attack at some point mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. stroke or whatever else so what you want to just take away this guy's last 10 years just as a, as a, was a point of pride or a point. I mean, what's who, who are you helping? How are you helping our country doing that? Exactly. It, all this was this, this, this to me was a clear exam. Like the cops were like laughing about it too. Like he, there's no way he could have sold this on his own. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, it's a clear example of like kind of the gamesmanship of how like law enforcement treats these situations. It's like, it's a game and 
They were looking to score a win, and this is like a slam dunk win for them because they got this guy red-handed. But at the same time, it's like you said, who does it serve? Who does it help? Who? I mean, you didn't take a hardened criminal off the street. If anything, what fucking Rodney says is like D is the fucking hardcore criminal who was carrying drugs to sell and ran from the cops and all this bullshit. He got nothing. He got nothing. Zero. He didn't get arrested at all. He got no charges against him. You know? So it's just, I don't know, it just it seems so misguided. At the same time, though, I do think Rodney broke the law. I mean, I, I, I agree ultimately with what he was charged with. I think like there's a conspiracy charge they could have hit him with because I think conspiracy to commit possession with intent to deliver is prob- was probably a little more fitting. But in the moment that he was holding on to the duffel bag in the parking lot, in that moment, he was in possession of cocaine with the intent to distribute. So I think personally, I think the judge handled it perfectly. Yeah, and that was actually refreshing. That was actually kind of nice. You don't you don't get to hear from a judge in any situation very often. So it was kind of cool they were able to interview him and he got to explain yeah. like why he did what he did. Especially in Florida, where I'm assuming that the judges all carry six shooters <laughs> and uh, probably shoot convicted felons. Like felony, blam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So overall, Matt, what did you think of this documentary? I liked it. It was interesting. It kept my attention. It wasn't boring or overly long. I I think uh, beer system. I think I'd watch. I'd probably two or three beers just so I could watch it with somebody and laugh a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Mostly at Andy, who was just so fucking burnt out. Mm -hmm. How about you? What were you thinking? Um, Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, I think this, like I said, the story isn't that complicated. I don't know that it needed to be an hour and a half long. This probably could have been like a 45 minute episode on like a series of, you know, I don't know, like a a, a docu-series, but it it was good. I mean, it was well done. They did a lot of recreations and they actually had Rodney was like, I don't think they flew into Puerto Rico, but like they had him in a lot of the reenactments, you know, um, himself. So I thought the way they did it was cool. I think they told the story very well and I would watch it again. I think I would want, yeah, like a couple beers just to kind of like, like you said, chill out, make it a little funnier maybe because there are some really funny moments in it. Andy is genuinely, I think he's a, he's a funny guy. I don't think he means to be. I think he's just like kind of one of those goofball kind of dudes. Like I said, I wouldn't want to have to depend on him for anything but no. I, think, I think he'd be fun to watch it with. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's yeah. one of those guys. Like I think he'd be laughing the whole time. Yeah, we're going to get a watch party sometime with like Andy, um, the dude from The Money Plane. Oh, yeah. Him? yeah uh, get, uh, what the fuck's his name? We'll have to get him. Pinky. Pinky. Yeah, we'll have to get Pinky, Andy, like the same vein. You know, Those are like all the same vein kind of guys, you know? And Rodney gave me a lot of uh, the Bourbon King vibes. The same as that guy. You know, I'm like, I'm just this overweight Southern gentleman who gets a little, a little over his head. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm just trying to provide for my family. I, I think the guy from the bourbon King was a lot more chargeable in my book. Oh yeah. He was a lot more um, guilty. He, well, he was like a criminal mastermind in that one. Yeah, no, It wasn't he, like a crazy plot to hurt anybody, but he was, he showed like a lot of um, tact and strategy. Whereas Rodney was a dope <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It just 
so many red flags, but he's so naive. But yeah, no, it was cool. I, I would watch this one again. I'd recommend it. It's a, it's a fun watch. But uh, yeah, so make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, check us out on our socials, on Facebook, on Twitter. Twitter's at Pod. Email address, uh, cancelthepodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to do a little recap of 2021. So we won't cover any specific documentary next week, just kind of a general conversation about all of them that we've talked about so far. And then we're going to go on a little bit of a Christmas break. Uh, we'll have more information next week for you guys. But yeah, Matt, you got anything else to add? Uh, later! <laughs> I'm Special K. I'm Matt. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>